Yeah, I caused trouble without even trying. <laughs> They'll let me know, or you'll let me know. <laughs> um, welcome. I'm Ben Inman, assistant pastor here, and very glad to have this opportunity to preach God's word to you. Uh, please pick up a Bible, uh, Psalm 8. You will want to uh, have it in view as we go along. Oh, Please uh, pray with me. Father, in his absence, we are reminded and thankful for Pastor Tom. Pray that you would return him to us refreshed in this new week. Thank you that he and his family have been able to have time without demands, just opportunities. Father, I thank you that I have this privilege. I so want to speak of the one that we have just sung of. Lord Jesus, you, you preach, and that is what we ask for, that you would use this foolishness to unfurl your wisdom and glory that you would bring to us the comfort that makes us stout and faithful. Do this, we ask in your son's name, Father. Amen. Psalm 8. To the choir master, according to the Gittith, a psalm of David. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouths of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings, and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. So this is a psalm of praise written by King David to come from your mouths. That, that, that first bit of administration to the choir master according to the Gittith, a psalm of David. These are the notations for this psalm written by David to be employed by God's people for worship. And so what I'm giving to you is not only this is truth, but this is your song. This is for, for you. Now this is a, a justly outstanding psalm in the Psalter, um, one which is more familiar. Of the 150 psalms, people frequently will know this one. And that's not surprising when we get to the New Testament. This is one of the most quoted psalms. 
most alluded to. It's as if this tune is in the back of their head all over the New Testament. Um, and, and that's quite simply because the living God became a man to accomplish our salvation. And that's so inexplicable and beyond imagination that this psalm, um, oh, it's that missing note. It's the O oh of Christ's coming. And so this, this psalm comes up and again and again as expressing this is who he is. This is what he did. And, and that's all the more extraordinary because this is a psalm by King David. But it's not about King David. It's about you. It's about ordinary people. Now, to approach this psalm, though, we do well to begin with the Lord Jesus. So, this is Matthew 21, um, the um, often called the triumphant entry. But just listen. Matthew 21, 6, 16. The disciples brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks, and Jesus sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds, they, they went before him and followed him. And they were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, Who is this? And the crowd said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. And Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who sold and bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. He said to them, It is written, My house shall be a house of prayer but you make it a den of robbers. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. And they said to him, do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, yes. Have you never read? Out of the mouths of infants and nursing babies, you have prepared praise. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. This is the Lord Jesus. And he comes into the holy city, he, he rebukes, casts out these people making cash on the business, business of religion, and then he heals. And, and, and here's this key moment. The learned folk, um, the professional holy guys, I'm the one most like that in this room at the moment, they're mad. They're indignant because they saw him healing people. But what's really got him going is, did you hear what these kids are saying? 
they're being a little polite. Because the question they're asking is, who do you think you are? Because, because the crowd's out there, but now these, 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 these little rugrats are piling up the honor that God alone deserves on you. Yes, he says. Who am I? Who are these kids? These are the ones that God spoke about. <laughs> Out of the mouth of infants and nursing babies, you have prepared praise. And it's a, you don't know who I am because you don't know who they are. And this psalm, this psalm which is about the Lord Jesus, it gives us so much of the depth of who he is and what he's done is a psalm, a song for his people. It is about you as well. Who is he and who are you? You're a believer. If you're a Christian, what this psalm puts to you is that you have reason to marvel, to be slack-jawed. You have, Christian, a reason to aspire, to, to actually think about, that's out of reach and I'm going to do it. And, and lastly, and foundationally to that, as a Christian, all the things about you that would cancel out the word marvel and cancel out the word aspire, you have reason to trust that those enemies of yours are thrown aside. That all sorts of just accusations and explanations about why you should not even try, all of that, you have reason to trust. That's short-circuited and broken down because of who he is and who you are as his. So this is a song, a song. Uh, God's people have sung this for many centuries, centuries before the Lord Jesus came. What's the point? Well, this is a pretty simple one because David makes the point first and last in the psalm. Look at it. Verse 1, verse 9, they read the same way. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. How majestic is your name in all the earth. That's a combination. God's name. God's name is his revelation of himself. It's a shorthand way of expressing for who you have shown yourself to be. Your name. Your name is majestic in all the earth. In all the earth. Where, where, where does the resonance of glory sound? Where is it that one can turn and see? God is grand and good and overflow in the earth. Now that may sound kind of like a tautology. Where else would we go, Ben? We, we're in the earth. That's right. But God has put his majesty here. And no, he did not have to. No one 
pulled it from him. It did not spill. No. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And this is the, the simple point of this song. This is the simple thing that the Lord Jesus takes up and brings to full fruit. God glorifies himself by exalting the lowly. This is the God of Israel. This is the God who made the world. This is the one who has all those bees with that thrumming sound. This is the one who the birds go and throw because he's here. This God glorifies himself by exalting the lowly. Now the word lowly is rude. It's okay in hymns. It's fine to talk about things in the 19th century, but if I said that you were lowly, you would think, I hope that guy has a certified diagnosis. It's a rude word. But it's the right word. Because this psalm is structured as the entire universe is structured. As over and under. The whole psalm works this way. Over and under. Um, there is above and below. And there is greater and there is lesser. Now, depending on where you are today, you might not like that. This is, um, as it were, uh, the protruding end of our sin, which we try to keep polite and civilized. But that God is Lord and we are His, that's exactly the thing that we're trying to figure out how to get out of the picture. And so what's here? over and under, above and below, greater and lesser. This is the great offense, and this is where the glory is. Exactly where we would say, God, shut up. He says, oh, no, I made you for singing. Look at this, just to see that. Um, oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Wait, you said the name is majestic in the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Okay, this is not part of the opening and closing note. This is the psalm. You have set your glory above the heavens. And then we don't need, need the word but because it's obvious out of the mouth of babies and infants, you have established strength. There's above the heavens, and there's what so amazingly fits in the cradle of your arms. What a contrast. And, and, and just for a moment, the, you probably notice, Jesus, when, when he cited this, he cited the psalm as, out of the mouths of infants and nursing babies, you have prepared praise. Jesus' babies are singing. Okay, maybe they're, they're talking fundamental words, but there's some big words, okay? Um, in in Jesus' mind, the word Yahweh is there. In, in, in the word, in Jesus, the, the little ones are saying Hosanna, but what's the difference between the strength and the praise? Now, we could walk through various things about how the text that was written in a route year 1000, ends up in Jesus' hand about the year 30, da-da-da. There's a pretty simple thing here. 
one or two things are happening. Either Jesus knows Hebrew better than we do, and the idiom of establishing strength in the mouth is a way of saying praise, or Jesus is saying, yeah, I'm going to make you think about it, dopes. Because you're scribes, you know exactly what it says, and you know what? You know that I know what it says, but if you want to call me stupid, fine, that's okay with me too, because the point of that is, babies ain't got no strength. The only strength they could have would be because someone takes care of them. And who would a baby in Israel think take care of them? Yahweh. Um, lowly. These lowly ones. Wiser than the wisest. And there's strength there. But, but to see the, the over and under. You, you set your glory above the heavens. Uh, what, what does that mean? The best read I got on it, it fits real well. Well, you know, the heavens, above the heavens in God's courtroom, it's not quiet. It's not quiet. There's one time when we're told there's silence for about half an hour in the book of Revelation, and the point is, oh no. <laughs> it's like mom being quiet. Things are about to get serious after that. But no, the, the courts of God, they ring. And we know what they say up there because we've been to Isaiah 6. And the cherubim cry out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God. His glory is set above the heavens on the lips of the cherubim. And below, that kid, those children, they have the strength of God himself in their words. Over and under. God exalting himself, or God glorifying himself by exalting the lowly. Move to the second stanza. When I look at your heavens, the work of your, your, your fingers, the moon, the stars, over. What is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Under. Greater, lesser. The stars. You and I don't see the stars very much. Um, which makes us a rare group of people in history. Um, I know what, it's true. I've seen the Milky Way twice. That's ridiculous. But I've seen it twice. Um, but we all have this recognition of the sheer scale of this thing. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth? Because it's huge. It's, it's incalculable. We don't even know what to talk about all those. The number of them shining, incandescent. And um, I'm a guy. I'm a fellow. I'm, I'm, I'm not much. What is man that you're mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him. Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings. We would use the word angel there. Um, because the word angel really is the word for messenger, it doesn't refer to whether you're, you're a heavenly being or a human being, a kid or whatever, but angels made them a little lower than the heavenly beings. 
and crown them with glory and honor. Over, under, greater, lesser. Crown them with glory and honor. This is who God is, the real God, the real God. He glorifies himself by exalting the lowly. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands and have put all things under his feet. Look at the over and under. Look at what happens here. These things belong to God. They are his. He made them. He made the people. He made you. And the one over gives to the one under him. And now the one under him, well, he has dominion. All things are under his feet. Everything. The cultivated, civilized, the sheep and the oxen, but also the wild critters in the field, the, the birds. We can catch some birds, but mostly we think, wow, they're beyond us. And the fish of the sea, it's true, we can catch a lot of fish, but sensible people that they were, the ancient, Egyptian, the ancient Israelites, were terrified of the ocean. They knew that's the opposite of dry land. And their, their descriptions of what is Horrifying and overwhelming is the ocean. And, and in the ocean, they're like, they're, they're, they're great nightmare terror. Um, they're, their version of, of dunna, 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 you know, the Jaws thing, it's Leviathan. Or these other things referred to great creatures, blue whales, white sharks. But they had this idea that there are these horrible, terrifying things out there that no one can. They are under his feet, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. This is who our God is. This is a God who glorifies himself by exalting the lowly, making those who have not a claim and have not in themselves a competence, making them able to rightly rule and shine. That is who you are. And that's marvelous. And you should marvel. You should look around, you should look at children and go, oh my gosh, the world will be utterly different for another 70 years. That makes a mom look pretty freaking impressive, doesn't it? You should marvel. You, 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 should, you should bump into people out on the street, whoever they are, and go, wait, you are crowned with glory and honor. Like that head, the reason God gave you a head is that it would be crowned. You should marvel. Um, in the midst of our wonderfully abundant, wealthy society where you can have any entertainment you want, you, you, um, you can consume anything you want, uh, what's that going to do? You need to back up and go, wow. The world really works for us. Whoa, whoa, no, no, no. We can really make the world work. That's extraordinary. Every one of these things is extraordinary. And not just because it gives you something. It's extraordinary for two reasons. It shows you just the grandeur, the goodness, the richness of God. And it shows you his generosity. Because um, I'm sure that God has a better opinion of Bill Gates than I do. But I know this, God enabled Bill Gates to do all that amazing stuff. God glorifies himself by exalting the lowly. 
And you should marvel at that. This is the world we actually live in. Now, uh, the world we actually live in. If you've been keeping count, I've said at least three very offensive things. Okay. Kurt's going, yeah, Ben, I really keep count, and it's way higher, but we'll talk. No, I mean like things that I know are formally, you're not allowed to say that in public things. And I need to speak to that because, the, because this is what the psalm does. And this psalm criticizes what we take for normal. It indicts us. It tells you that you're called to something better than what is normal around you. The first one, uh, out of the mouth of babes and infants you've established strength because of your foes to still the enemy of the avenger. Now this is really amazing. Because if you didn't have this one phrase, enemy and the avenger and the foes, this would be a completely happy psalm. Like this is just a wow, the world is a wonderful psalm. And if you've been reading the psalms much, those are few and bright moments in the Psalter. And particularly as we've been working through the first the, the first um, seven psalms over the last while, the, the six psalms in front of this are hard fought. They are David saying, I have wicked people to deal with. I have foolish people to deal with. Oh, Lord, help me not be wicked and foolish. And the next following five psalms, they're not David doing that. They're David talking about other people referred to as the poor or the, the weak and how they're struggling with all this. And so here is this one psalm that shines. There's, there, there's no fight or combat in it because of the babies. Because the babies won the fight. Out of the mouth of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. The reason this psalm, the reason the future is a thing of promise is because of the babies. God has enemies. He's going to defeat his enemies, and so he has babies born and babies nursed. That's what it says. You've established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. Enemy is someone who's just out to get you. Right? The avenger is someone who is out to get you, and everybody knows they're right. They're seeking vengeance. And I know, they told you, you don't do that in third grade, but they had to tell you for a reason. And we live in a society that we have policing, and we talk about what is policing. Is that. Ancient world didn't have policing. They had neighbors. They had neighbors. And if one of the neighbors killed your son, the other neighbors would say, yeah, we understand, go ahead, take him out. Because we can't have that around here, and you should, because he's, 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 he's outraged us all. That's an avenger. An avenger is someone that you say, you're right, i got to get out of here. And God has stilled them. He has brought their effort to nothing by the babies. See, in our society... Children are really important. They are so important, and this is going to strike maybe, that we think we should pay other people to take care of them. That is how important children are. 
And children are so important that we should make sure not to have too many of them because children are important. Um, I wade into all sorts of things. I am probably that obnoxious uncle, whatever. But you need just to see this. The psalm is not just saying children are valuable. It's saying this is God's glory. This is God exalting others by there being people whose business it is to take care of children. And, and so Israel, they, they don't think about children as what I do for the next 10 years. Their, their entire society is based on inheritance. Their entire, their entire notion of who they are is that my children will have their children and we are we. And, and this is the extraordinary thing about a child. When you have children, when you care for children, you are making the world bigger than you could ever be. You're, you're literally doing more in the world than you could ever do by yourself. It's extraordinary. It's extraordinary. And so the future, the future can be shaped, the future can be enriched because you clean that diaper. Because you shave off the money off this part of the budget for that part of the budget. That this care for children, this... These little people who can't do, okay, they can do a lot. They can't do anything useful or that I don't have to clean up after. These people are how we are going to make the world shine. So you should marvel at that. And you have to recognize, in our society, what is adulthood? Oh, adulthood got so much better in the last 20 years. Adulthood is being old enough to have the money you didn't have, and now do everything they told you you couldn't do. That's it. Our, our ideal of adulthood is adolescence with the money and nobody saying no. We're foolish people. We're foolish people. We want to have rich lives. You want to have a rich life? <laughs> have a glorious life. God glorifies himself by exalting the lowly. Do that. Do that. That's what he's called you to. It's marvelous. Okay. I said another offensive thing. What is man that you're mindful of him? I did. I said man. And, and I meant everybody. All at once. All of them. I'm trying to not say the other word. Because if you're going to say that, you just got to stick to it and not. Why is it that it's a marvel that God is mindful of him, that the Son of Man is someone he takes care of? How on earth could God crown man with glory and honor? He made man in his image, male and female. So I'm just going to say this. Most of the talk about man and female and gender and conflict there's some kind of big, destructive lie going on there. Because the, the, the essence of that is, wait a second, one person is in some way or other less than others. All right. What does God do with that? What does God do when he finds someone who apparently in some way or other is lower or less? He exalts them. 
He exalts them. And so whatever you want to say about, and we have, there's much to explore. We don't want an egalitarian world because our God is not egalitarian. No, our God insists on exalting other people. And that's offensive because we use the word lowly to start with. You've got to use the word lowly. You have to come to think of yourself as one low and exalted and not offended at that. And, you know, this is really difficult. I don't have the, I don't know enough. But we have to figure out how to talk to people who are offended at being lowly. So we can say to them, God would lift you up. And, and, and that's at the heart of this. Um, how can God think of people so much? Why can he do that? How can that be? It's a legitimate question. I will tell you this. The natural world of cause and effect with energy and history and time, that's just a shorthand name for evolution, was never mindful of anybody and never will be and has no reason to. There is no reason that you can say about a human being, marvelous. Except if it's marvelous to you and that means it fits your appetite. But God, he doesn't come to us with an appetite. <laughs> this is his glory. His glory is not getting from us, but making much of us. But we can only have it from him. Only. Now, I said a third offensive thing. I said that human beings have a dominion over the world. Oh, I'll just be worse. Over the created world. God put it into our hands, put it under our feet. He told us to be the horrible, terrible people who destroy the future by using petrol and nuclear power. That's a, um, I'm being a, I'm satirical, but no, in the 60s, much of the rhetoric behind what became the ecology movement was the biblical understanding of man and God's image and the world under dominion. That's how we got this. Um, we have to think about that. We've got to talk about that, blah, blah. When I blah, 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 I don't say it's important. I'm saying it's more than I can get to. But there's a crucial thing here about the world that our peers deny. The world was made to work for us. We do not live in an inhospitable, hostile environment. Not one bit. If a person can dig a hole and put seeds in it and eat watermelon, I can't like watermelon since it's kind of hostile to me, my taste. But no, and this is fundamentally important, that the world we live in is not a place out of which we somehow manage to fabricate against all design and purpose good things. No, the world works because God gave us dominion. It is good, but not only is it good, we can make better out of it. 
because God exalts the lowly. And that's why when we do grand things, we don't just say, wow, we say thank you. And, and that's the most offensive thing you can call people to, is thankfulness. So you call them to Christ. You call them to Christ, that you would marvel and you aspire. And if you're not a Christian, I know, I've been, like, I've been pushing these things. And I, I'm not very charming. I hope you're being patient with it. This psalm is beautiful, and it raises these things. But what you're called to, instead of that vexed, interned sense of I must wretch from the world what I can, you're called to aspire. The God who made the world exalts the lowly, and so you're called to aspire. And, and, and really, that's what it is with children. You're aspiring. You're going... I want these kids to be so much more than I can imagine, so much more than they are, so much more than I can think they would be after today. There's, you're aspiring. You're exalting the lowly. And, and we need to step back. I mean, some of us here have children. But as I said, like we're in a society that the point now is of adulthood is, hey, happy me. Well, let's just... What's the opposite of glory? Gross. Glory is to be like God. And so you need to aspire. You need to look around and say, wait, how do I exalt the lowly? How can I be involved in that? How can I find the people that they don't have it and help them get it? Uh, I went and got a great fish and chicken dinner at Pine Acres Community Center a couple weeks ago. Um, with all these folks, I'm like, they don't know me. I barely, I don't really live here, whatever. Those folks, they, during the lockdown, you can't get the meals you usually get at school, they've been feeding 800 kids a day. <laughs> Golly. Um, I don't know how to do that. Maybe we should go help them. <laughs> But see, that's beautiful. We should aspire like that. And, and at the heart. As I said, God gave you a head because he wanted to crown you. That's the point. And, and in that section of the psalm, you go from the, the babies who can't to the person standing out on the stars going, um, I'm not much. And this is really important. God extends to you dignity. God says of each of you, you are in all earnest of great value and importance. Out here, quiet under the stars, thinking, I'm not much. Oh, yes, you are. You need to go live that out. And I need, I need to make distinction out hear people talking about the infinite value of every individual. Um, that's a stupid thing to say apart from God. There ain't no infinite. And there's value. But, but this, this is more than this. They're not infinitely valued. They're, they're, they're particular people. And God has said, go and live in my image. 
And from God's perception, it's worth watching. When you do good, God likes good. He really does. And I haven't thrown away any of my total depravity thing, wickedness, whatever, but, but it's true. When you do good, it is good, and that's you. And, and you should aspire to that. You should aspire to that. And, and, and look, our society, what you're being told is, mm, you are your desires. Mm, you are trying to solve whatever problems you have. Um, you were made in God's image. He is glorious, exalted, the lowly. And you too, crowned with glory and honor. And, and, and that's just, before you do anything, I know the stars, that's you. And that should, that's a reason to aspire. But thirdly, because God's made the world, he's made this world, he's made it to be fruitful under your hand. You have reason to go forward. You're not working against the odds. You're not trying to master all things. No. You rightly expect to serve God and to do useful good things. And you should aspire to that. Why do you work? To make money. No. You need money. More money you make, more stuff you can do with that. No. You work because you were made to be like God. Because he wants to exalt you into that, that display of his, his craft and his character. That, that, that's the point of this psalm. Oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. It is this majestic. And the fact that that seems overblown means that we need to understand the simple much more straightforwardly. And we're called to that. We're called to marvel and to aspire because of who our God is. To look at our lowliness and think, nah, we can do more. Because that's what God made me for. That's what God wants to do with me. But what about me? What about what about my sins? I mean, like two ways. I really have this idea that I've outlasted God's patience. And you say the world works for me. I don't know. I think if God's going to be consistent, he's going to make the world work against me. Just, I feel guilty. And then what about how I react to things? I'm like, like is there a way out of this? If you're not a Christian, absolutely. <laughs> this is why Christ has come. And if you're a Christian, oh, yeah, you're out. Yeah, you have a struggle. We might need to get down and deal with some serious stuff because there are lies that you've been fed and they're tripping it, whatever. But no, no. Um, God has not abandoned this. He's still set on his majesty filling the earth through you. And that's why Christ came. It's an extraordinary, extraordinary 
Christ became a human being. The eternal son became a man. He took on our responsibilities. Um, the greater became the lesser. The one above, step below, he became lowly. Um, we, we could put that in one word. He became obedient as we should be. He was a baby. God cared to that baby, and that baby grew up, and that baby shut up all the enemies. Every accuser of you shut up by that baby's mouth. Um, he stood under the stars. He was but one body, one man. And he was faithful. He aspired and accomplished. He took his death as his great conquest. Crowned with glory and honor. This is Hebrews uh, chapter 2. It was not to angels that God subjected the world to come, of which we are speaking. It's been testified somewhere. What is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you care for him? You made him for a little while lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. Now I'm putting everything in subjection to him. He left nothing outside his control. At present, we do not see everything in subjection to him. Right? You look at your own life, you know, like, I don't see everything the way it should be because Christ has risen from the dead. At present, we do not see him, see everything in subjection to him. But we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. The reason this psalm, the reason this psalm is so resplendent, so peaceful, so expectant, ushering out the defeated enemies at the beginning. It's because David is singing. He wants you to sing about the God who brought his people out of slavery so that you can know who you are. And it's true. Part of who you are has been an intractable problem, a thing you cannot solve, a thing you cannot tame. And the Lord Jesus became a baby. He became one person under the stars. He stood up and he took dominion over all things by his death. So that death would no longer be the way to explain what's going on in your life. And so that his dominion over all things would be extended to you. So it's a short sort of Jesus statement. The Lord Jesus died for your sins and rose from the dead so that you can live. No longer do you stand under guilt. No longer are you shut up to the slavery of what sin will allow of you. I'm not saying you're some amazing person now. I'm saying that God is glorifying himself in the earth by exalting the lowly. And you are lowly, and sometimes with shame. And you are lowly, and sometimes having to confess in order to be exalted. Yes, 
lowly, shameful, many things, and crowned with glory and honor. It is your salvation lifting you from the least to the greatest. This is how God would be glorified. And Jesus came and glorified his Father. Pray with me. Oh, Father, I so want my brothers and sisters to have this short song in their hearts. I want us to sing this. I want us to live in this marvel with this aspiration, with this trust. And I've stepped by so many things, Father. I, I don't know. Um, I jested about them being offensive, Father. I, um, oh, please, Lord, instruct us. Enable us to hear, to reply. Use this word preached that we would marvel at you, that we would aspire to glorify you, and that we would trust more deeply in your Son. We pray in his name. Amen.